The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to The Late Morning Program, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. This is your host, Nam Ras Das. I'm here, super excited to talk to uh, Brigupad Prabhu. Brigupad Prabhu, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great honor and pleasure to be on your podcast. Jai, the number Jai. one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I always tell my guests, I don't even know if that's true. I just say it. And maybe it's true, but who knows? Anyway, it's a funny kind of gimmick that I do. But uh, Brigupad Prabhu, thank you for joining me. And, and I'm excited to talk to you about the Hari Bhakti Vilas, which is a kind of unknown, kind of misunderstood perhaps text. Um, and I know you have done extensive research and things. We'll get into that after. But before that, I want to talk to you about your spiritual journey. Tell us how you came in contact with uh, devotees, with Krishna consciousness. Let's start there. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, Krishna says in the Gita, four kinds of people turn towards him. Right. I think I, I was the curious one. Um, I don't have that much. Uh, I didn't have that much of suffering or or looking for wealth or or being a, a a wise person in the background. But I was I was curious about spirituality and religion even as a kid. I grew up in a in a secular um, academic family. My 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 mother. Uh, she's retired now, but she was a university professor. My father was a university administrator. Um, so an academic family, but uh, where religion wasn't very much present. Finland is is predominantly a Lutheran country. So, so about 80% of the population is Lutheran over here, but not almost anybody is very active. So, so I was baptized uh, like that, but... Uh, Christianity, religion wasn't a big deal in in my family's life. My grandmother was had had a, a kind of living Christian faith, and I I remember her teaching me how to pray when I was a kid, oh, wow. kind of evening prayers and stuff like that. But and I also remember reading these kind of like illustrated Bible stories in in her house. But otherwise, religion wasn't. Uh, something that was very much present. But I had an in- interest in religion, even as a kid. And I remember being fascinated by the religion of the ancient uh, Egyptians and and uh, the Aztecs and so on. I had something, uh, some kind of an interest for 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 worship, image worship or, or, or deity worship, as we would say in, 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 in devotee lingo. So... Uh, there was some something I maybe from a previous life or something that was kind of uh, calling me there, but uh, uh, then I got got in contact with devotees when I was a teenager. Uh, I was I think sixteen. This was in nineteen ninety or about. In Finland. In Finland, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I attended a course, uh, a summer course, even though I'm Finnish. I didn't know Finnish very well uh, when I was a teenager because I belonged to the Swedish minority here in Finland. So my mother tongue is Swedish. 
Oh, cool. And my Finnish teacher in school, she told me that I needed to take this extra course in the summer, which of course bummed me out, but uh, I was a obedient boy, so I did what she told me. And the good thing with that course was maybe I learned some more Finnish, but the main thing was that during a recess, I came across a book by Prabhupads on a table. Uh, it didn't belong to that place. Somebody had just left it there. Mm. Uh, I forget what the name of this book is in English. It's one of those compilations of Prabhupada's letters and talks and uh, a master's guidance or something like that, if I translate it back to English. And uh, I really liked the book. I really liked the book and I really liked Prabhupada the way in which he he kind of came with the straight truth. Right. I, I was accustomed to religious people always going like, well, yes, it's on the one hand, uh, but on the other hand, uh, yes, uh, we have to be balanced and uh, ideals, realities. Prabhupada wasn't like that at all. No meat eating. No alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that as a teenager, teenager. I thought this is a person who is not afraid of saying the truth, who, who stands behind his words. And whatever I read about Prabhupada also showed me that this was a guy who, who, who walked the talk, so to speak. So, so I, I was fascinated with that, that book. But fascinated as a teenager is fascinated by so many different things. But... Uh, the thing that that made a, an impact on me, apart from from liking kind of the the main ideas of the book, was that, like in all Iskon books, on the first page there was an address. That if you're interested in the topic of this book, you're invited to correspond with the secretary at, and then there was a, a, a local address. So I wrote a letter to that address, with some really silly questions. Like, for example, I'd read in the book that uh, Hare Krishnas uh, are against intoxication. But somewhere else I heard that they're using incense in the temple. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like uh, Finland is kind of a backward country. And in the, in the early 90s, nobody knew was, what incense was. It was like wow. something strange. Right. So... So I had that question and probably some other questions as well. And uh, eventually I got a letter, a reply. And they patiently replied to my questions. And he also said that there's a local temple. If you're interested, you can, you can visit. Wow. Uh, so I, I, I noted down the address. And I went there. It was uh, uh, in the same city where I'm living uh, today, Turku, which, which is uh, a city in the southwest of Finland. Uh, I went to, the, to that place, and it was a storefront temple. They had a sign, almost like in, in the matchless gift that lectures this time of, 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 of Sunday and Saturday. And... But I didn't dare go inside. I was just... 16 i think and and a very kind of shy and awkward teenager so it took me three times before i summoned up the courage to actually go in so on the third time i i, I went in 
and immediately when I went in, somebody came and greeted me, a devotee called Keshava Madhava Prabhu. And he said, oh, you must be Mons. So he knew me even without having met me before, just because I had written that letter. So he knew that oh, this, wow. that, that, that teenage boy maybe come at, will come at some, some point. Right. So, so I started visiting the temple regularly. And uh, uh, the devotees were really nice. Uh, some of them were kind of scary. <laughs> one, one brahmachari, his name is Hiranya Pandit. Uh, the first thing he asked me was, so, do you eat meat? Oh, gosh. And, uh, and I mumbled something about, well, yes, my mother is good. And he said, you can cook for yourself. So I realized, wow, you need to become a vegetarian if you're on this path. Right. And uh, and again, this wasn't being vegetarian wasn't a big big thing in Finland in in 1990. Right. I knew one vegetarian. She was a girl in in my class, a really flaky girl. So so I didn't have any kind of good examples of vegetarians. But I thought, okay, that's what you have to do. So I became vegetarian. And uh, that was actually a really nice thing for me, also kind of as a part of my personal growth and being a teenager and everything, because it showed me that I can do things that others are not doing. I can kind of find my independent way of, of life because nobody supported me with that. My mom thought it was a terrible idea. My dad thought this is some kind of hippie stuff. Right. Uh, but I stuck with it. And I, I then... Gradually, I started hanging out more with the devotees. And and uh, once I was finished with secondary school, when I was 18, I, I joined the temple then. Wow. So things so kind you, of... And you lived in... How long did you live in the temple for? Not very long, for about a year. Uh-huh. Uh, in those days in, in Iskon, Finland, uh, everybody did book distribution. Right. Either you did book distribution or then you were in, in kind of a, like a third grade devotee. Right. So, so there wasn't much of, a, of an option. Uh, but I mean, book distribution, it's also fun. You, you, you've done it uh, uh, as well. So. Yeah, yeah, I've done it, yeah. So it, it, uh, it really forces you to, to rely on Krishna and, and mm -hmm. surrender and, and kind of see everything that's happening around you in a Krishna conscious perspective. So uh, it was very good for me. And, and also in, in the sense of, of kind of becoming braver and, and more outgoing and, and uh, kind of growing up. Sometimes I think of my ashram life as being kind of my Krishna conscious military service. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> something like that. Accurate. It was hard as well. I mean, our, our Sankirtan leader, he eventually then became temple president. His name is Tatvavada Prabhu. He's he used to be a captain in the army, so he was oh, wow. a, a drill sergeant. But uh, that was fun as well for a for a teenage boy. Yeah, and and he kept us in line, and and uh, there was a group of of young young brahmacharis at that time, and and we had a lot of, of fun together. Whose zone was that at that time? That was Harikesh Swami's. Oh, okay, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, Finland is 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 a small country. I mean, yeah. geographically we're not very small, but uh, certainly five five million people living here. 
and uh, uh, at most I think the temple had about 20 uh, uh, people living in it yeah and the congregation then somewhat bigger around but uh, it's a small place which means also that uh, if you don't get along with the leaders then it's it's hard to kind of survive within the institution yeah but i i i I liked i liked temple life and i learned very very many things i'm really happy about having gone through that period of of, of my life but i eventually realized that uh, it's too kind of uh, uh, it felt too constraining for me Mm. i remember on sankirtan we used to take take our, our our lunch break in like a local library or something like that. And I remember just looking at all the books, like, oh, I wonder what they all speak about, all those books. Right. We were only supposed to read Prabhupada's books, which was right. good, of course. But uh, I had this huge curiosity about kind of the world and other systems of knowledge and so on. ISKCON at that time didn't really lend itself to any type of curiosity or exploration. <laughs> not so no, not so much. So I, I moved out of, the, out of the temple after a bit more than a year. Uh, I remained a member of the congregation, uh, kind of an active member, but I, I started studying at the university. Uh, and this was also something that my my uh, ISKCON guru uh, um, suggested and, and supported me in. Uh, I, I had a guru uh, at that time. He, he eventually... he. He, uh, uh, we kind of grew apart in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had also some some difficulties, but uh, I also had difficulties because when I when I started studying at the university, uh, I I was introduced to other kinds of of system, other systems of knowledge, and other ways of of, of viewing the world, and other ways of viewing the scriptures, and so on. And this was challenging for me. To rec- reconcile questions of, of faith and uh, and uh, and uh, facts of history and and traditions and things like this, so I, I didn't always know to how to kind of how to deal with stuff like Prabhupada says something. Oh, and I see. He seems to say something else, and yeah. So uh, uh, he didn't always kind of understand what I was going through, and. I also think I didn't understand it myself either very well. So so we kind of uh, went a little bit in, in different directions. But mm. he helped me a lot, so so I'm I'm not going to 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 say anything anything bad about him. Sure, sure. But uh, at one point he he had to kind of give up his his uh, guru position in ISKCON. And uh, I also drifted a bit away from ESCON at that point. I had gotten in touch with with the writings of, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, which were really helpful for me in, in, in reconciling these kind of questions of of uh, of, of belief and 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 and, uh, and and history and so on. His Bhaktivinoda's early works, such as the Krishna Samhita and the Bhagavad speech and these kind of texts that you were speaking about with Lalita Madhava right. weeks back. Right. And and also some other devotees who, who were more open to, to kind of uh, 
perhaps seeing a difference between essential Krishna consciousness and, and details that maybe don't matter so much. So I came in, in contact with uh, uh, Om Vishnupad Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Maharaj. And uh, I really liked the way in which he, he uh, kind of spoke about Krishna consciousness and, and speaks yeah. about Krishna consciousness in a very kind of uh, commonsensical way. Yeah, with, with a firm grounding in Siddhanta, he really has studied the, the core texts of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, so he really knows what he's speaking about. But he speaks about these things uh, in a way that is is kind of open to the modern world and and to 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 also new ways of understanding things. And uh, and uh, he's also very much open to kind of. Uh, the feeling of Krishna consciousness. I don't know if you've seen his Bhagavad Gita, but it's yeah, of course, called, called uh, the Bhagavad Gita. It's feeling and philosophy, right? And what he does there, in a brilliant way, I think, is is he combines the kind of Siddhanta of the Gita with the Bhava of the Gita. Like, for example, what does it mean for Krishna to speak about Bhakti uh, at Kurukshetra, the place where he met the Gopis? Mm when they came there for those ceremonies many, many years before. So, so he's, he's bringing out also these kind of, kind of emotional sides of, 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 of Bhakti Yoga. And I, I, I love the way in, in which Tripurari Maharaj is doing that. Yes. I'd also come in contact with, with other Gaudiya Vaishnavas by, by this time. We're speaking now about the early 2000s. Uh, when I did my my master's thesis, I, I when I went to university, I started studying uh, uh, religious studies, and uh, uh, from the beginning, I knew that I want to specialize in in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So when I did my master's thesis, I decided I want to write it about Prabhupada's godbrother, Shlabakti uh, Rudoy Bon Maharaj, because of course Bon Maharaj was one of the early preachers to the West. And he and Prabhupada, they had kind of a rocky relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and Prabhupada and him, they were close at some point. Yes. When Prabhupada was in Vrindavan before coming to the West, he he uh, he spent some time with Bon Maharaj. Uh, he saw him as his older godbrother and so on. But then things kind of, they went back and forth during uh, Prabhupada's stay in the West. So I was fascinated by this person. Bon Maharaj. So I wrote my IMA on him. And while doing that, on, I got on, on him specifically? Yes, on him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, when I did my research for that, uh, primarily in Vrindavan, where he, Bon Maharaj stayed most of, uh, most of his time, uh, I got to know his uh, followers. He has a, a temple near to the Madan Mohan temple called the Bhajan Kutir. And uh, and uh, it's it's a small temple, but all the devotees there are so nice. They're so nice devotees. The the present acharya there, his name is Omvishnupad Gopananda Bon Maharaj. Oh, he's I a, heard him. He, he's a simple elderly man. He's about eighty five or something. Uh, he knew Prabhupada in that time before Prabhupada went to the west. Uh, 
he his seva was was being the cook of the ashram for for like decades he joined the, the ashram in 52 wow uh, and and nobody ever expected he would become the acharya because he wasn't a learned or like scholarly person but he was such right. a good devotee so eventually that that kind of post came to him and uh, uh the first time i saw him i immediately fell in love with him He's, he's the sweetest, most wonderful devotee you could imagine. So, so uh, I've been profoundly influenced by 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 him and other Gaudiya Gaudiya Mat uh, devotees in my spiritual life since then. Wow. So I have this kind of uh, part of me is very much influenced by Tripurari Maharaj and his sangha. And another part of me very much by Upananda Bon Maharaj and, and 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 his Sangha in India. So so those are my kind of main uh, spiritual inspirations. Sure. Before we go into the 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 issue, not the issue, the the topic at hand, um, I, I I find it fascinating when devotees get their inspiration in different ways, and I and I like to hear their experience of how that's been. Like, did you feel? any kind of um like when you did associate with these other Gaudiya Vaishnavas did you get any backlash because of being in such a small area like Finland which I'm and I'm sure it's not like many ISKCON centers around or devotees around even so is there kind of like a lot of devotees who are from different places in one place or is it kind of just only ISKCON or how is it how did that go well at that time uh in the early 2000s uh Chilanaraya Maharaj had uh had some followers in Finland. All right. And they were teaching very strongly for their guru. And uh, uh, that created a very polarizing atmosphere where, where they kind of blasted ISKCON, ISKCON blasted them. Right. And eventually what happened was that uh, ISKCON Finland, that only had one temple by that time, they closed the doors for anybody who was initiated by a, by a non-ISKCON guru. So, so I was banned from the ISKCON temple for many years, not because of anything that I had done personally, but just because I kind of belonged to this group. Right. And uh, that wasn't so kind of nice, of course. But uh, on the other hand, it also forced me to 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 do things more on my own and together with with friends. There, yeah. there are some really nice Finnish devotees. Maybe you've heard of them, Krishangi. She's a, a, a comic, uh, comic. Uh, oh yes, I have heard of her. Yes, yes, yes. And her husband Kamalaksha. They are some of my best friends, and uh, we formed our own kind of more informal group of devotees. We called it Sri Chaitanya Sangha, and uh, and uh, uh, where the idea was to kind of collect devotees. Uh, that have an, uh, a joint interest in in Krishna Katha and uh, and Mahaprabhu's teachings, yeah. But without caring for institutional boundaries, mm. so so uh, that's something we've continued to do since then. Now the the relationship with ISKCON has become kind of normalized. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, nobody's banned from the temple anymore. Things have have changed since then, but uh, and and now nowadays I have a or, or my wife and I, we have a, a program here at our house every every week where we invite devotees and read the Bhagavatam and so on. And, and that will be then a group of, of devotees from different sanghas. 
Very nice. So I feel that's the future. I mean, devotees doing things at their homes. I mean, because many people don't live in the temples anymore. So I love that when devotees are doing things at their homes, inviting all kinds of devotees, having a kind of non-sectarian mood. That's very inspiring to me. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about, before we get into Hari Bhakti Vilas, tell us a little bit about what is the Hari Bhakti Vilas to you personally? Like, why would you, why, um, are you addressing this certain topic? I know you have a, you have a higher degree. You have a, um, your doctor and some split. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, I, 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 once I finished my MA, I didn't really know what to do with my life. Like when you have an MA in a topic like religious studies, it's not like it's there's there's a hundred of jobs waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, it's kind of a useless thing. So I thought, okay, so what should I do next? Let me go for a doctorate. Uh, Finland is a great place in in many ways. Maybe I've I've said not so flattering things about this country so far. (laughs) There's some really nice things about Finland. And one is that education is free here. So <laughs> wow. So, so uh, and you even get uh, a little bit of money from the government if you're a student. So so if you live frugally like like Vaishnavas usually do, you can you can manage. <laughs> so uh, I went on studying after my MA and I, I eventually did my my doctoral thesis on on the guru institution in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Uh, you can find that text that I wrote uh, online. It's called as, as Good as God. And, oh, uh, that's the book I was thinking my father-in-law had. I think it's a, it's a, it, you made it into a book, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that, that was a fun book to, re- to, to write because I went around uh, different Gaudiya Vaishnava centers in, in India, uh, Jagannath Puri, uh, Navadvi, Brindavan, also to kind of uh, off-the-track places, like there's this, this wonderful place called Gopi Ballabpur in, in Midnapur in rural Bengal, where, where the, 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 the main seat of the Shamanandi uh, branch of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, 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 is located. Wow. And uh, uh, they have, of course, the, the Radha Shamsundar temple in Vrindavan, Right. And the hunt or the, the leader there, Krishna Gopalananda Dev Goswami, he told me that I should go and, and, and speak to his brother, Krishna Keshavananda Dev Goswami, in, in this place, Gopi Ballabpur. It's like 10 hours from Kolkata by train and bus. Oh my gosh. So, so I went there. And when I arrived there, of course, he had forgotten to tell his brother about me. So, oh no. so. So <laughs> I arrived there in the night, and it was this exciting place, this temple, old temple. It looked like a like a castle, like Dracula's castle or something, like lots of bats and stuff. But uh, uh, the devotees there were nice, and they they let me stay there uh, for a few days, and I got to to speak with the Mahant and and so on. So I, I collected all these really interesting interviews and lots of interesting facts about about uh, what the guru kind of uh, institution looks like in different branches of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm happy about the book book I did. But uh, another thing that I, I was interested in from, from the beginning of my studies, and, and uh, I eventually also 
uh, went on to study Sanskrit and Indology. Uh, and one of the things that I, I was interested in from the very beginning was was ritual. Right. I have this this kind of deep connection with ritual. Uh, uh, I have a uh, a, a Srimurti of, of Sri Shardabuj Gauranga that I've been been worshiping uh, every day for 25 years. So so I have this this kind of um, deeply ingrained in, ingrained in me this this interest in ritual. It's not as deep and kind of elaborate as that of let's say Brahma Murtaji or, mm. or some of these like like big puja pandits of, of, <laughs> of ISKCON. But still, I'm interested in this topic. So right. so one of the first books I I, I did was uh, it looks like this. I don't know yeah, if you can. I'll make see it full it. screen so we can, everyone can see it here. It looks kind of boring. Dearest the Vishnu. Okay. And uh, it's an Ekadashi from, from the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. There's a... Uh, it's a what from the Hari Bhakti Vilasa? It's on Ekadashi. Oh, okay. Oh, the book is about Ekadashi. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's the part of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa that deal with Ekadashi. Oh, interesting. And, and, uh, in general, and then, then all these kind of special Ekadashis, like Pavitra Ropana Ekadashi, Uttana Ekadashi, and, and all the kind of rituals to do on these days. And, uh, and Ekadashi, of course, it's kind of a, uh, a quotidian thing for us. It's, it comes every second week, so it's not a big deal. But yeah. you can make it into a big deal if you want to. And, and uh, in the Haripakti Vila site, the description of Ekadashi is very elaborate. It's, it's a three-day thing. You start right. on, on, on Dashami, the day before Ekadashi. You start out by having only one meal. Because usually in, in, uh, in these texts, you're eating twice a day. They don't they didn't eat breakfast or then they didn't count that i'm not sure but you so you're eating lunch and then dinner but on dashami you only eat once you eat lunch only and and the lunch should be some simple prasadam like kichari or kichari or some fruits and something like that uh, and then you start fasting after that and then on ekadashi you don't eat at all you can drink water but you don't eat at all and then you stay up the whole night after Ekadashi. And then on, on, on Dvadashi, the day after, uh, you break the fast, usually around uh, midday. With donuts or something, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I had to have that. <laughs> right. Yeah, with the same kind of food as on Dashami. It's kind of simple. Simple, food. yeah. Uh, and then the next day, Trayodashi, then kind of life returns to normal. And uh, I used to do these kind of Ekadashi all, Ekadashis also. Really? Uh, back wow. in the days. Now I've become old and lazy. But <laughs> I, I, I did it for, for, for some years. And uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a wonderful practice, actually. Quite yeah. difficult also, especially the staying awake part. I, mean, I was never good at that. But... Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, that was one of the first things I did in connection with the Hari Bhakti Vilas, and this was back in in uh, two thousand one. Okay, so I've been I've been engaging on and off with the Hari Bhakti Vilas since then. Uh, 
And I guess one of the reasons for why the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is that this is one of the, the texts of our Sampradaya that has been uh, kind of the least studied. Right. Uh, Lalita Madhava Prabhu, who you had here on your podcast some, some weeks back, he's written a good article where he summarized uh, all the study that has been done on Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And one of the fields that really has been, been understudied uh, is, is ritual. Right. So, so I realized this could be one field where I could be of some service. Hmm. And so, that's why you and that's why you started there with the Ikadashi book. Yeah. And then I wrote some some articles on different topics of the Hari Bhakti Vilas, like the guru in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, the morning rituals about the Hari Bhakti Vilas and so on. Right. But then what kind of changed all of this was uh, another book that I did uh, some years back, uh, which was on a uh, an even more obscure text called the Radha Tantra. Uh, sometimes you hear references to this Radha Tantra. There's a, a famous story of the Radha Tantra of, of Radha's birth, how, how she was born from a lotus. Maybe you heard that story. Yeah. And uh, we also hear that the, the Maha Mantra is mentioned in the Radha Tantra. It's, it's mentioned in the, in the order that we're accustomed to, Hare Krishna and then Hare Rama. Mm-hmm. So it's a book that you sometimes hear about, but it's an extremely strange book at the same time. Uh, after giving this, 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 after mentioning this uh, uh, Mahamantra, it gives a, a kind of a purport to the Mahamantra, which is very strange from a Vaishnava perspective. It explains that uh, 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 Hare means uh, uh, Kali. And uh, uh, Rama means uh, Shiva, and and so on. So it's it's a very kind of strange text. It's it speaks wow. about Vaishnava topics, but in a in a Shakta way. So so I, I got interested in this text, and uh, uh, I wanted to do what was called what's called in, by scholars uh, a critical edition of the text. It doesn't mean that you're super critical against the text. It means that that uh, uh, you try to kind of uh, figure out how the text looked originally and how it's it's developed over time. Oh, interesting. Text critical edition. So I went around in different places collecting uh, uh, copies of, of manuscripts of this Radha Tantra, like handwritten uh, manuscripts of the Radha Tantra, and then comparing these and seeing if some parts are have been added and some parts have been subtract, subtracted and so on. Uh, and that eventually uh, ended up as a book some years back. And once I had done that book, I realized now I have these kind of tools. I've learned how to do this kind of work, this kind of historical text critical work. So now let me go back to the Hari Bhakti Vilasa and do the same kind of work uh, with this uh, foundational Gaudiya Vaishnava text. Right. So about five years ago, I then then, then started uh, this part of the work. For those of for those of you who don't know what the Hari Bhakti Vilas is, I'll st- I'll say my understanding, Prabhu, and then you can mm-hmm. 
kind of take over there. Uh, my understanding of the Hari Bhakti Vilas and my exposure to the Hari Bhakti Vilas is that it's kind of the book by Sanatan Goswami about different practical and ritualistic kind of um, things within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, like deity worship and Tulsi worship and Ekadashi and installing deities, perhaps, and how one lives practically even i think there's even things about washing oneself and brushing your teeth and it's like it's like very in depth about how one does things and my exposure has been that someone asked Prabhupada uh very early on Srila Prabhupada what about this text should we read it and should we kind of see what it's about and Prabhupada said something to the effect of if you read it, you will um, find fault with others because they're not do following it because they're not following it correctly. And so what I've been taught has been that we don't really follow it. We don't really read it because it's kind of too in depth and uh, we're, we're in the Kali Yuga and, you know, we're just trying to chant Hare Krishna and do what uh, the base follow the basics uh, for regular principles, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my understanding of the Hari Bhakti Vilas. Never really got into it uh, because it's such a vast book. I think there's a number of volumes, like maybe ten or so, or something like that. And it's the only part I've really kind of, kind of dived into is been the Tulsi part of it, just because I'm interested in Tulsi Maharani. So just the different things about when to pick Tulsis and um, and uh, when to, you know how to worship and things like that. But Tell us a little bit about your understanding of of kind of Hari Bhakti Vilas. What it is is maybe a place to start, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, technically, the Hari Bhakti Vilasa uh, could be called a nibandha. That's a, a tantric term that refers to to a text written by by a, a known author. So it's not some kind of like ancient texts spoken by gods or something like that but uh, can i interrupt you for a second yes can I interrupt you for a second when you say tantric most people think tantric is something like you know uh you know something something bad <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good point no tan tantric uh, i mean it can be bad as well there are tantric texts that that uh, uh tell you to to engage in practices vaishnavas would would never uh, do Right. But tantric here means uh, uh, more generally uh, texts that are are dealing with with rituals and and that mm. are dealing with kind of the practicalities of of spiritual life and 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 spiritual practice. Okay. In in contrast with texts that would be more kind of theological or philosophical in nature. I see. Okay. So, so Nibandha is, is a text which is uh, written by an, by, by an historical author and which is a compilation where you're trying to say something but not really saying that in your own words but rather compiling uh, quotations from previous authors to kind of get across your point. Okay. So you wouldn't say, for example, that uh, uh, according to me, Brigupada Dasa, you should worship uh, Tulasi Maharani every day, but instead you would write, uh, you should worship Tulasi every day because it is said in the Padma Purana, and then you'll have a, a quote from there. Similarly, in the Skanda Purana, and then you'll have another quote saying, worship Tulsi every day. And then you'll have a part which says that if you worship Tulsi every day, then all these nice things are going to come to you. 
And if you don't do that, then all these bad things will happen to you. So that's basically how an Ibanda works. Okay. That the author has, of course, something uh, generally he wants to say, but he will uh, marshal all these uh, uh, scriptural uh, statements to kind of uh, get across that point. So the Haribakti Vlasa is like that. It, it, uh, it's a huge book, like you say. It has uh, 20 chapters. Each chapter has uh, from about 250 to 1,000 verses. So, so uh, it's a huge book. Uh, there's, there's at least one English translation from uh, published by Rasbi Harilal in Imrindavan. That's, that's in five fairly thick volumes. Uh, so it's a big book. And uh, and uh, what it does, as, as you said as well, it it kind of paints the picture of the ideal Vaishnava life. It begins in the first chapter by speaking about uh, guru and disciple and mantra. Then in the second chapter, uh, it speaks about initiation. And then in the third chapter and for several chapters on, it speaks about the the daily duties of, of the initiated Vaishnava, uh, from how to get up in the morning, uh, how to brush your teeth, uh, how to take bath, uh, how to uh, do your morning uh, routines, your toilet, and so on, in, in great detail, and sometimes kind of humorous detail even. <laughs> wow. Like like never pass tool in a hand in an anthill. <laughs> wow. So, so this kind of like like super detailed way. <laughs> and uh oftentimes the first impression you get of the text is that it's super strict. Mm. Like what I told about Ekadashi before, like a three-day ritual where you don't eat at all, you don't sleep, right? Super austere. Similarly with all these things with bathing and brushing the teeth and so on. But uh, it always works in the way that it will kind of first give the ideal way to do something. Like with initiation, for example. It first gives in the second chapter that this long, long description of initiation. It's also a three-day ritual where the guru and disciple, they sleep at the initiation uh, kind of pavilion. And uh, uh, the the disciple, depending on what kind of dreams the disciple will have, that will mean something about his or her future and lots of stuff going on. Wow. Uh, but then it says, if you can't do this, if this is too kind of complicated, then you can do like this. And if you can't do that, then do like this. And if you can't do that, then just uh, hear the mantra. Wow. So this is a very typical kind of Indian way of, of presenting something. Uh, a Western author would begin with kind of the essential and then perhaps offer some kind of extra things. But uh, uh, Indian authors usually start with the ideal, like Krishna does in the Gita. Just uh, uh, love me. Focus your whole heart and, and life on me. And if you can't do that, then follow regulative principles. If you can't do that, then do this. 
And basically at the end he says, you can't do anything, then just try to be a decent human being. So, so you kind of start with the ideal and then considering we're Kali Yuga people, considering we're not very ideal, you kind of have to take some steps down and find mm. kind of the level where you are at. So the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is actually not as strict as you first kind of think. It offers quite a few uh, exceptions. With Akadashi, the same. Uh, if you can't do all of those things that I mentioned, you can do something less. You can you can eat uh, some uh, fruits and roots, or you can just eat once. It doesn't even tell you you have to avoid, avoid grains. So it's wow. in a way, it's kind of more lenient than most people follow Ekadashi today. Right. If you go for the kind of lowest standard. So uh, after after these chapters on the on the daily life of the Vaishnava, then it goes into these uh, uh, like uh, uh, special days like Ekadashi. Then it goes to the different festivals of the months. Like Janmashtami, Ramanavami, all these these uh, these uh, kind of special festivals, and then uh, how to do mantra purascharana in the seventeenth chapter. That's how to to kind of become siddha or perfected in a mantra, doing these kind of austerities, just sitting down in a small hut chanting your mantra, and then it goes into how to fashion uh, an image of the Lord a deity, how to install the deity, how to build a temple. Oh, wow. Uh, there's something about the uh, uh, festival of, uh, of uh, uh, marrying Tulasi and Shalagrama there towards the end as well. And then right at the end of the book, the author says, uh, most of the old rituals that have been given in this book are intended for rich householders. Those who are renunciants and, and exclusively devoted to Krishna, who don't have an interest in kind of Varnashrama things, they usually just do kirtan and, and, uh, and uh, remembrance of the Lord, kirtana and smarana. So it's kind of interesting that the author uh, is not really writing for persons like himself, like the Goswamis but uh, for householders right. and indicating that people who, who don't have the time and leisure and money to do all these kind of rituals, they can uh, focus on other stuff. Huh. So that's kind of an overview of, of the book. Right. And I guess we can get into this later about Srila Prabhupada's statements, but maybe next we can see um, like, there's some questions around who wrote it, even, from what I understand. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's why so far I've just been saying the author. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the question is kind of, kind of, or, or it's, it, there's two things. One is that uh, within our tradition, uh, some really important authorities have ascribed the book to Sanatan Goswami. Jiva Goswami, in his Lagu Vaishnava Toshani, which is a commentary on the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, uh, as an appendix to that book, he writes about uh, 
his family, his uh, ancestors, and about his uncles, Lupan Sanatan. And he mentions their, bo their books as well. And he says that Sanatan Goswami wrote the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, the uh, Haribhakti Vilasa, and the Vaishnava Torshani, and the uh, Dashamacharita. So he clearly says that Haribhakti Vilasa was written by Sanatan Goswami. And similarly, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, this is something most devotees will know. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we can read about how Mahaprabhu uh, teaches kind of an outline of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa to Sanatan Goswami. And then it's mentioned that Sanatan Goswami went on to write a book based on all of this. So that's kind of clear, Sanatan Goswami. Right. Nevertheless, when we turn to the book itself, in the beginning, it says that this book was written by Gopalagapatta Goswami, the disciple of Prabodhananda, to please Rupa, Sanatana, and Raghunathas Goswamis. And at the end of every chapter, it says, thus ends the first chapter of the Bhagavad Bhakti Vilasa by Gopalabhatta Goswami, called then whatever the name of the chapter. So we have these people, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, clearly say, Jiva Goswami, Krishna Das Kaviraj clearly saying it was written by Sanatan Goswami. The book itself said to, it says it was written by Gopal Bhatta uh, Goswami. So how to rec reconcile these two? Right. That's the question. Uh, most scholars today, uh, they take what the book itself says, that it was written by Gopal uh, Bhatta Goswami. And I've... I've, uh, I've uh, Followed that line myself also in, in my previous previous research, and and when we look at at these kind of uh, later uh, um, historical Gaudiya Vaishnava texts or kind of hagiographical texts, these kind of uh, texts uh, telling about the, the history of of these great Vaishnava saints such as uh, Narottam Das and so on, they try to reconcile this question. Uh, in uh, Anuragavalli, which is a text from the late 17th century, so it's about 150 years after the Hari Bhakti Vilas, there uh, Manohar Das, who wrote that book, he, he writes that uh, uh, Sanatan Goswami wrote kind of the outline of the text, but then Gopal Bhatta Goswami, he, he completed it, he filled it in. Mm and and uh, kind of made it complete so kind of a cooperation between the two right uh, in prem vilas uh, by nityananda das from the, from about the same time uh, it is said that gopal Bhatta goswami wrote the whole book but he then gave it to sanatan goswami and sanatan goswami took it as his own so a completely different story and in the bhakti ratnakara by uh, Narahari Das, also from the same time, more or less. Mm. Uh, it is said that Gopala Bhatta had the idea, but uh, Sanatan Goswami was the one who wrote it. So we have basically three different stories that try to reconcile who actually wrote the book. Wow. There are also kind of more modern theories uh, one is that uh, uh, Sanatan Goswami wrote uh, 
kind of a, a simple text, kind of like a, the original Haribhakti Vilasa. And then Gopalabhatta Goswami, he, he took that same book and expanded it into the Haribhakti Vilasa of today. Uh, to which Sanatan Goswami then wrote a commentary. Because the whole issue is made more co more complex by the fact that there's a commentary to the Hari Bhakti Vilasa called the Big Darshini Tika, which everybody agrees was written by Sanatan Goswami. So we have the main text where the authorship is disputed between these two, and then the commentary by Sanatan Goswami. So, uh, is it common that someone would write a Tika on their own? Well, Sanatan Goswami right. did that to his uh, Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Okay. So it's it's not uncommon. Right. Uh, generally, we, we 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 don't see it that often, but it does happen. Uh, Jiva Goswami also does the same with with the Tattva Sandarbha that he has mm. this, this uh, commentary to that. So so it does ha happen sometimes. Does it bother you that it's kind of like not sure or? you kind of like in your mind you've you've um made peace with the fact that you, it's Gopalabhati Goswami since the text itself says that yeah it bothers me <laughs> okay I, I'm, a, I'm a scholar so so that's what, what scholars like when there's something to be bothered about and something <laughs> to find out so it bothers me in a very kind of nice way All right and uh, and i think i've come up with the solution and uh, uh, what I did when I started this whole Hari Bhakti Vilas project, the first thing I did was that I went around trying to locate as many uh, manuscripts of the text as possible. Because uh, for most of our, our foundational Gaudiya Vaishnava texts, uh, what scholars call the autograph copy has been lost. The autograph copy means... The, the copy by the author himself right. that in the handwriting of the author where you can say that this is Sanatan Goswami writing this text or this is Gopalabhatta writing this text and then you can see immediately if something has been changed or not. In most cases, we don't have those texts. So what we have is usually uh, quite a bit later written copies of copies of copies and uh, of course, you can imagine that when you copy a text and you recopy it and somebody else copies it and maybe copies it in a different script, changes can spring up. So, so what I did was I traveled around and I looked at, at, at manuscripts of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. Mm -hmm. And India has an amazing uh, amount of manuscripts of these kind of sacred texts. And, and secular texts as well. There's literally millions of manuscripts in Indian libraries. Uh, I looked at about 100 manuscripts of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa in, in Kolkata, Brindavan, uh, some manuscripts from Pakistan, Bangladesh, South India. Uh, there are scattered manuscripts in the West as well, in Germany, England, America. Oh. Of just the Hari Bhakti Vilas? Yes, just the Hari Bhakti wow. Vilas. So, so based on, on having looked at all of these manuscripts, uh, I've chosen 12 on the basis of age, the, the oldest ones. 
uh, on the basis of geographical spread to, to get kind of a feel of what the text looks like in different places. Uh, and also based on whether some manuscript is kind of different from the others. So what the critical edition does, like, like I'm doing, is that uh, it compares all these different, what you call readings, all these different versions, and notes all those versions. So that the text, I'll I'm trying to kind of reconstruct the original text, and then noticing all the variants. Mm. Like in this manuscript, instead of Hari, it says Krishna. Or in this manuscript, there's this extra verse here. Or in this manuscript, that verse is missing, and uh, and and so on. So you you kind of reconstruct the original, uh, but you also want to see uh, the differences, because texts such as the Haribhakti Vilasa, of course, they they live on. Uh, the very fact that I've been able to look at more than a hundred manuscripts means that this was a text that became really popular. Mm. And that people felt uh, motivated to, to copy. Because making a copy of a text like this in ancient times doesn't mean that you take out your mobile phone and, and just photograph the pages. It's laborious <laughs> and, and expensive to have somebody write a copy. Wow. So, so I've looked at all these manuscripts. Uh, and uh, and then, kind, then tried to kind of reconstruct the original text. The changes are not huge. There are some some differences. For example, some Bengali manuscripts they con contain some extra parts. Uh, some Jaipur manuscripts have a different uh, beginning and so on. So there are some variants, but they're not huge. And it's not like some some versions say that you should worship Shiva instead of Krishna. It's it's not anything kind of major. But it's interesting, nevertheless. And, and once I had done that, I started translating the text and I've, I've gotten to, to the fifth chapter. That's as far as I've got by now. Uh, and one of the interesting things I noticed was that uh, even though the Haribhakti Vilasa cites about 200 different texts, most of those texts are not cited firsthand so it's not that the author had access to a huge library of 200 books, which in 16th century Vrindavan would be an amazing thing since Vrindavan was mostly just wilderness in those days. Right. But rather, uh, he had access to, to about, uh, about 25 books, uh, some of which are, are similar to the Haribhakti Vilasa in terms of being these kind of ritual compilations. So most of the verses he's taking secondhand from these earlier compilations. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, these, uh, this way in which he's using these previous texts uh, teaches me something about the author uh, himself. Because one thing I noticed was that sometimes uh, stuff that he's taking from these previous texts end up in the main text of the Haribhakti Vilasa and other stuff from these same sources end up in the commentary. So it looks very much like the person who wrote the commentary was the same person who wrote the main text. Wow. So that sounds like Sanatana Goswami. Right. Another thing 
is that the style of the text is also very much that of Sanatan Goswami, uh, especially the beginning verses where he's uh, uh, mentioning some, some Vaishnavas of, of that time, Krishna Das, Lokanath Goswami, and so on, Kashi Ishvara. The same persons are mentioned in exactly almost, not exactly, but in very much the same way in Sanatan Goswami's uh, Vaishnava Toshani. Also, some of the, the verses glorifying Mahaprabhu uh, of the Haribhakti Vilas. Every chapter usually begins with a verse glorifying Mahaprabhu. They are also very similar to verses Sanatan Goswami has written in, in the Vaishnava Toshani. So there are many things that uh, uh, show me that the author of the Haribhakti Vilasa is not Gopalabhatta, it's Sanatan Goswami. Just like Jiva Goswami and Krishna Das Kaviraj always said. Right. So why then does it have the name Gopal Bhatta Goswami? That's the next question. Yeah. Uh, I can't answer that uh, to 100% certainty. Why? But I can point out that uh, uh, Sanatan Goswami seems to have had a very strong sense of uh, humility. Uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj, who, who knew him personally, uh, in his Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is quite a bit later, but he, he knew him personally, he has him, him say things like, I'm low-born, I'm uh, uh, despicable, I'm terrible, Mahaprabhu, you shouldn't touch me, I shouldn't go into the Jagannath temple, and so on. So he has this, some, for whatever reason, he has this feeling that he's, He's, uh, he's low somehow. Right. So he never mentions his own name in any of his books. Brihad Bhagavat Amrita has this whole story of being like a part of the Jaiminiya Mahabharata. Everybody knows it's fanciful. Nobody really, even within our tradition, nobody believes that this is an ancient text. Everybody knows it's written by Sanatan Goswami. But it's written in the form of an ancient story of uh, uh, Uttara and and uh, and uh, and uh, so on, like things happening after the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. In the Vaishnava Toshani as well, which everybody knows was written by Sanatana Goswami, he doesn't mention his own name. Uh, similarly, in the Dashamacharita, he never mentions his own name. So for some, whatever reason, in the Haribhakti Vilasa, he decided that let me write this in the name of Gopalabhatta. Maybe Gopalabhatta assisted him in some way, maybe with finding some sources or something like that. But I think he just felt, I don't want to take this in my name. I'll, I'll write it in Gopalabhatta's name instead. So it's kind of an open secret that everybody in Vrindavan at that time, they knew it was written by Sanatan Goswami. But then later on, 150 years afterwards, devotees uh, outside of that area in Bengal they didn't know this, so they were struggling with this. Why do some people say Sanatan Goswami, the book itself says Gopal Bhatta? So then all these kind of strange stories about how it it, it came uh, came about uh, were invented. I, I don't mean to go... Yeah, finish your thought. Yeah, the one fun thing is that, that uh, this is what devotees have been always saying. So it's written by Sanatan Goswami. 
scholars have been saying, no, it says that it was in my Gopal Bhatta. Devotees were right all, all along. <laughs> okay. I just had to kind of go with sure. the whole kind of uh, circle around before realizing it. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I find I've heard similar things about Sat Kriya Sardipika. Do you know anything about that? Well, I've looked a little bit into it. Okay. Uh, it also says it was written by Gopalabhatta Goswami. Right. But at least uh, in the form that we have it today, uh, th there are some parts that seem to have been added later. Like there's uh, in, in the part uh, that's called Vaishnava Homa, towards the end of any, any Homa, yeah. you offer the Vaishnavas, there's like, Gopalabhattaya Svaha. You wouldn't put your own name with Svaha in, in a book. Good point. So Interesting. There, right. are, there are old manuscripts available of it. So it's not it's not like Bhaktivinod Bakht, was the one who first published it in his Sanjana Toshani journal. It's not that he made it up. It's it's older than Bhaktivinod Thakur. Yeah. But uh, Exactly how old, uh, we don't know. There are also some other books attributed to Gopalabhatta Goswami, a commentary to the Krishna Karanamrita, to, to uh, Rasamanjari, and, and uh, some other books. But it's unclear if this is the same Gopalabhatta Goswami uh, as of the six Goswamis or, or somebody else. Right. So, so there's plenty of these kind of things that we don't really know yet about right body uh, of history so the title of this podcast being the mysteries of the hari bhakti, bhakti vilas is when you speak about when you talk when you're referring to mysteries is this one of the things or and and let's kind of discuss the other things too <laughs> yeah yeah this is one of the things who wrote it right and i think uh, i think i've cleared up the the mystery here for sure yeah thank uh, you thank you in, in, in when my book eventually comes up, of course, all the details will be there. Yeah, I've just kind of hinted at them them here. Right. But, uh, another mystery is is uh, it why? Because uh, the the Vaishnavism of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is quite different from what we usually kind of uh, think of as Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Like, uh, for example, uh, Krishna is uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's the Avatari or the source of all the other avatars or, or all of the, of the, other, of the avatars. Uh, Gopala Krishna is, is the main deity of the, of the text. But there's also instructions for how to install... Uh, Narayana, how to install Varaha, how to install Hayagriva, even uh, Vishnu in the form of Kamadeva. So lots of stuff that is kind of a very tangential interest for Gaudiya Vaishnavas in general. Oh, wow. There's also very little about Radha. Like uh, when uh, you meditate on Krishna before worship, this kind of visualization or dhyana that you do before. Radha is not even mentioned. There's a long, beautiful meditation taken from an earlier text called the Kramadipika. Yeah. A very detailed meditation on Krishna. 
uh, and and the cowherds and the gopis and so on. The name Radha is not even mentioned. Uh, Radha is mentioned in the Haribhakti Vilas a few times, but uh, not very often. And uh, and the kind of worship of Krishna that is described is really a worship of just Krishna on his own. So this is something that people have been puzzled by. How come? But I think this is something that reflects uh, the historical reality of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in Vrindavan in the early 16th century. The Haribhakti Vilasa is one of the first books of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. It was written between 1534 and 1541. This, this I know because uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is dated 1541 and it refers to Haribhakti Vilasa. Oh, and right. Haribhakti Vilasa. Uh, in its uh, turn, makes use of a text copied by Sanatana Goswami in 1534, so somewhere in between there. So in this that time, uh, the the murtis that were worshipped in, in Vrindavan, uh, Madan Mohan, Govinda, uh, they were all worshipped on their own. The Radha deities they came a little bit later towards the end of the 16th century and, and the beginning of the 17th century fascinating yeah they the uh, the son of uh, prataparudra maharaj he sent some of the first radha deities to to vrindavan purushottam uh, uh, dev so so this is something that kind of develops and and we still see this kind of worship of krishna alone of course in radha raman Right, where, where Radha is kind of symbolically represented next to Krishna, but there's no murti of Radha. So, so this is something that uh, represents kind of a, a style of worship in Gaudiya Vaishnavism that uh, uh, later developed in a different in, diff in a diff different way. And there are some later texts by the Goswamis. There's a text by. Jiva Goswami called Radha Krishna Archana Deepika, which describes how to worship Radha and Krishna. But that's after the Haribhakti Vilasa. Who is that by? Jiva Goswami. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, another thing that has puzzled some devotees is that there's not much about uh, Chaitanya in Haribhakti Vilasa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, he's he's mentioned right at the beginning. Right. Uh, uh, actually, the very first words, Chaitanya Devam Bhagavantam Ashraye, I take shelter of, of Lord Chaitanya Deva. So that's the very first words. And then at the beginning of every chapter, there's also a verse uh, mentioning Mahaprabhu uh, in uh, Things like a person who surrenders to Sri Chaitanya, he will be able to, to cross over the ocean of material existence and things like that. Right. But uh, when it comes to the rituals, there's nothing about any murtis of Chaitanya. There's no mantra for Chaitanya. Uh, no murtis of Gornitai or anything like that. It's just this focus on Gopal Krishna. Uh, and why is that? I think one reason is that, uh, again, this is a very early text. And it's a text that is written 
in the Vrindavan area, in, in, in Vraja Mandala, at a time when the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya was still very much in a, in a kind of uh, fledgling uh, condition, uh, it hadn't developed into a Sampradaya in exactly the way that uh, it came to be seen by the time of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. You can see that, for example, by the way in which Rupa Goswami in Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu, when he speaks about Vaidhi uh, Sadhana Bhakti and Raga Anuga Sadhana Bhakti, he says, some people call this Mariada Marga and Pushti Marga. And that refers to the way in which Vallabhacharya speaks about Bhakti. Right. Uh, so when Rupa and Sanatan came to Vrindavan around 1519, there were already Vallabhas in the area, uh, followers of, of Vallabhacharya. Vallabhacharya, uh, he never settled in, in Vrindavan, but he, he would, would, would come and visit, and, uh, and uh, he was affiliated with this Gopal temple at Govardhan that was originally founded by Madhavendra Puri, who is one of these kind of mystical persons that is affiliated with both the Gaudiyas and the Vallabhas. Mm. So, of course, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, we read that he's the guru of Ishwarapuri, who's the guru of Mahaprabhu. But according to the Vallabhas, uh, he taught Vallabhacharya as well. So he's claimed by both of these sampradayas. Wow. So, so his temple there in, in, uh, on, on Govardhan Hill. Yeah, the one on top, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the priests there were originally Bengalis. They were Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Uh, so, so Gaudiyas, followers of Mahaprabhu, followers of, of Vallabha, they, they, they shared the temple. Uh, eventually that broke down and uh, the Gaudiyas were kicked out. And, uh, and today, of course, that, that image of Gopal is known as Sri Nataji and is, is the main deity of the whole Vallabha Sampradaya. It's not there in, in Govardhan anymore, but there's still, there's lots of Vallabhas in that area. Mm. So, so when the Hari Bhakti Vilasa was written in the uh, first ha ha half of the 16th century, that was a time when uh, these kind of sectarian or sampradayic boundaries hadn't really developed fully yet. So uh, uh, in the first verses of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, Sanatana Goswami writes explicitly that this book is meant for all Vaishnavas in the Mathura area. So he I think he doesn't want to kind of stress worship of Mahaprabhu too much, thinking that that will be kind of too weird for other people. That that uh, let me focus on Krishna, which is kind of the the common, common divinity of everybody. Right. Fascinating. Wow. So I, this is one thing I like about the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. It's it's uh, in a, in a way it's kind of a an abstract text, but there's lots of kind of historical stuff going on especially between the lines mm. and there are some things in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa that are amazingly radical and this is something I like to bring out because people have this sure. impression of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa that it's it's this terrible Brahminical orthodox text which is so strict and heavy yeah yeah and it does have that side I think it's something that Sanatana Goswami, on purpose, does he he brings in 
stuff that the, the books that he uses, these earlier ritual handbooks on compilations that they don't include. So he takes in more kind of Brahminical stuff like on, on, on cleansing, for example, like how to clean different things, that you have to use this thing to clean. Uh, bell metal and you have to use this to clean like cloth and this and that all this kind of dharma shastric uh, stuff so he's kind of creating a very 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 orthodox form a very orthopractic form he's giving he's presenting chaitanya vaishnavism gaudiya vaishnavism in a very traditional way and i think he does this on purpose to kind of show that it looks like we're a new religious movement founded by some Bengali charismatic, but actually we're worshipping Krishna in a very uh, proper way according to all these ancient scriptures. Wow. But in between, he kind of drops some atom bombs. And one has to do with uh, eligibility or adhikara. That's a big topic in, in these kind of books. Yeah. Who's eligible for what? Who can worship? Who can get what kind of initiation and so on? Uh, the main mantra of the text is the the eighteen syllable Gopala mantra. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of these mantras. If you have it, you know which one it is. If you don't, then you shouldn't know. Right. So I'm just saying it like that. Sure. So that's the main mantra of the text, and uh, uh, the text says that uh, this mantra. Uh, can be given to anybody who who uh, uh, is a Vaishnava, who wants to worship Krishna, who wants to to dedicate his or her life to 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 bhakti. Shockingly, even to women, can you imagine? <laughs> Shocking, right? Even to women, even to shudras, even to outcasts, even to outcasts. Even right. to Finnish people. <laughs> so, so Sanatan Goswami says that, and he even makes some changes to earlier scriptures to, to accommodate that. Oh, Like there's, there's a portion from the Varaha Purana which says that this initiation should give, be given to, to devoted Brahmins, Kshatriyas, and Vaishas. So the word devoted there is Bhakta. Sanatana Goswami changes that word to shudra to, really? to show that this should be given to brahmanas, kshatriyas, vaishas, and shudras. It doesn't actually say like that in the Varaha Purana, but he changes it so to make the point that this is for everybody. And uh, there's a, a long purport a little bit later in the book, in the fifth chapter, where he brings up some verses that say that the shalagram can uh, can never be worshipped by a shudra because if a shudra uh, touch a shudra or a woman if they touch the shalagram that's like a thunderbolt would strike the shalagram right so that's a huge apparat and then he says yes but that these kind of verses they're only meant for non vaishnavas and uh, Vaishnavas, and he has a long purport where he he's, writes all about all of this. Vaishnavas are equal to Brahmanas. And he quotes all these different sources, mainly from the Bhagavatam, other places as well. And then he says, and actually, 
Vaishnavas are even higher than Brahmanas because by initiation, and he gives this verse, uh, just like uh, when you 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 uh, touch bell metal to to mercury, then it turns into gold. Mm. In the same way, by initiation, everybody can become a Brahmana. So the kind of stuff that you would expect somebody like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati to say, it's kind of like revolutionizing who is a Brahmana. Right. That comes all the way from Sanatana Goswami. He says that explicitly. Of course, people didn't really listen to that until Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, 400 years afterwards. But that's what he says. So there's plenty of these really like radical uh, things in the Hari Bhakti Vilas that are all kind of hidden in this very kind of orthodox, very kind of Brahminical form mm. to make it less scary for persons who who were not accustomed to this Sampradaya from before. Right. Wow, that's amazing. So many different things you can bring out when you really kind of research and study something. Um, what about... Uh, I mean, what my mind goes back to is the complexity of such a text. How do we interact with that complexity when the narrative has been that we, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, it, it, you know, Srila Prabhupada's point was, it, it was valid in when he said, you know, we will find fault with devotees when we, when we read something, we're like, oh, they're not following, they're not like, you know, doing this correctly. And so harmonizing that, you know, interacting with such a text because it's so interesting mm. and it's it's from, you know, the Goswamis, but also staying, you know, kind of um, balanced when we, when we kind of, you know, kind, do you kind of understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an important point. And, and uh, one of the interesting things about the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is that Nobody's ever followed it to the letter. Mm. I don't think anybody, uh, or maybe for a short while or something, but but following every single rule and regulation of the text is kind of a superhuman thing. Uh, it says, for example, that in the afternoon for a couple of hours, you can engage in your livelihood. <laughs> uh, there's not that many people who can survive on like engaging in your livelihood for an hour and a half in the afternoon. Right. And, and it says that uh, the best livelihood is old money, living off old <laughs> money. Because they, And the implication there is that that's kind of karma-free because the karma has already been... There's always some karma involved with acquisition. Right. But that's already been kind of paid, that karma, because it's it's money that you've just inherited. So that's the best. Otherwise, you can live off donations from qualified disciples. So how many people have the opportunity to do that? Not that many, I guess. Right. So what the text does is not really, it's not meant to be understood as kind of the rule book for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, that if you don't do all these things, then you're not up to the standard. Rather, it's a, it's a description of the ideal life of the Gaudiya Vaishnava. And I think this is how the text should be understood, that uh, uh, you can pick things that you're, you're inspired by. And that's what Gaudiya Vaishnavas have been doing throughout the ages. 
uh, whenever somebody writes some kind of ritual handbook in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and people have been doing this for, for a long time, they will pick some parts of the Hari Bhakti Vilas and they will take some verses, they will take some descriptions, uh, and then they will make it somehow pra practical. So, so I think that's how the Hari Bhakti Vilasa should be understood as a kind of book of, of inspiration, if you will, that uh, you can read about Tulasi, you can read about Ekadashi, uh, and be inspired, and then uh, apply as much as you can uh, in your own life. Because mm -hmm. clearly the Goswamis, they didn't follow all these things. Like these kind of initiation rituals described in the second chapter of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa three-day rituals where you have to construct a, a pavilion, you have to dig a particular type of, of pit for the fire sacrifice, you have to, to lead in the disciple blindfolded and, and do all these kind of, kind of cool rituals. I'd really like to see that. I'd yeah. love to see, see like Brahma Muhurta do a ritual like that or <laughs> somebody where the the guru is kind of transferring the power of the mantra from his own heart and then like visualizing how it's entering into the disciple and so on. Wow. It's really cool and, and kind of fascinating. But I don't think, I've never seen anybody do that. Right. And I've, 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 I've been around in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I know what Gaudiya Vaishnavism looks like, not only within ISKCON and Gaudiya Math, but also in, in other branches of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Right. I may be wrong, but I don't think I've never seen anybody do this, let alone all the kind of complicated rituals for brushing the teeth and taking bath and going under the water 12 times, om and so on. Oh. Nobody seems to do this. The the temple that that claims to be the closest to the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is the Radharaman temple. Uh, they also uh, 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 Claim that the, the book was written by Gopal Bhatta Goswami because he's, of course, affiliated with the Radharaman temple as well. Right. So they have kind of an interest in the text. But they as well, they don't follow everything uh, of the text. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, uh, I don't think we should take it as a, as a rule book. But your point is very important that, that uh, if you kind of study a book like this, you can you can become critical of people that don't seem to follow all the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important point. Uh, I think one of the, and this is maybe a more general point, uh, I think one thing we've, we've kind of done wrong in, in our Gaudiya Vaishnava culture in the, in the West is that we, we've allowed ourselves to be really critical of each other. I think we should be more careful with this. Like, like people criticize each other over everything. Yeah. <laughs> you're much too feminist. You're much too pro-vaccine. You're much too uh, this and that. There's like a thousand different competing kind of ideologies within Gaudiya mm. Vaishnavism. And we're really nasty about this, mm. like demonizing each other over some really like relative issues. Uh, I've seen many Indian Vaishnavas who are really scared of criticizing Vaishnavas. And I think that's more healthy right. to, 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 to avoid criticizing. Of course, we will have our own opinions. I have my op own opinion of all, on all these contentious issues. Yeah. But I tried to think like one of the guests you had in your podcast, I forget who it was, but somebody really well said that 
why should I think that I know everything the best? We're supposed to think that Trinadapi Sunichena. We're not supposed to think I'm the center of the universe. Right. So so definitely there's a there's a danger in in when you become kind of a ritual expert that you start to think that, hmm, I've heard that Namrasa is sometimes wearing a kurta when he's doing his puja. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So so, uh, uh, that's something we should be be careful about. Yeah. We can can know kind of the ideal uh, and and find happiness and and satisfaction in, in getting as close as we can to that ideal, but not kind of judging others. Definitely, that's, huge that's point. I like what you said about that. The book is is the basically it's it's portraying the ideal life of the Vaishnava, and and as and we can find inspiration in reading it and trying to get close as we can to it. That's really inspiring. It's so much. It's so much better than just thinking of it as a book like that. The rule book, like this is what we should be doing. You know. It's so much more inspiring to think of it as the ideal uh, ideal way a Vaishnava should live. I think it's a it's a fascinating book, and I'd love to to read it more and and get into it. Um, just because it, it like like you said, there's different parts of it that you can kind of like pick from, and kind of if you're interested in something, then read on read about that something. If you're interested in uh, I don't know like Shalagram Seva or something, or you're interested in building a temple, or if you're interested in you know things like that, it's fascinating to to see what what did Sanatan Goswami or um, Gopal Bhatta Goswami or whoever actually, you know, Sanatan Goswami wrote it, what he thought about these things, because he's our, one of our great uh, in previous acharyas. Um, just for our listeners, I'm going to be taking questions pretty soon. I know there's some questions in the comment section. Um, but uh, before we go into questions, Prabhu, did you want to add anything else or should we go into questions? Well, uh, I should say that, that, uh, uh, some of these things that I've, I've been saying, I may, of course, be completely wrong about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a work uh, in progress, and uh, it's possible that that I've I've done plenty of mistakes. I mean, I I know that for myself. I'm a fallible person in so many ways. So, uh, I'm a middle-aged white uh, person. I I like to think of myself as as the center of the universe, but I <laughs> really am not. So so I'm everything I've I've said. Should be taken with a pinch of salt. Sure. And uh, and I'm also a very privileged person in the way that that I've been able to 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 study a text like this. I, I work as a as a as a as a university teacher, which is is a nice work. I mean, I I don't get to work with the Hari Bhakti Vilasa all the time. I'm I'm doing other stuff as well, but still I can work with something like this as part of my day job. So so I'm being paid to. To study the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, what could be better than that? Wow! I'm, I'm a I'm a book bookworm. It's so dark here already, so I don't think you see anything. But <laughs> oh yeah, I see in the back there, right? My room is full of books, so so being able to engage with texts like this is really this is like the best thing almost in my life, and uh, I see this as my my kind of life life. Uh, goal to work on this Hari Bhakti Vilas and, and maybe finish the whole work by the end of, of this lifetime. I, I will see. Wow. Uh, I do other stuff as well. My my wife, I'm I'm married to, to a wonderful person. 
Sara Grahidasi. She she's an artist, and you may have seen her art, Sara Grahi art. Right. Um, uh, she she tells me that I I shouldn't t- speak about these boring things with you. I should tell about my what I'm doing with the yoga community and and stuff like that. But I know you have Sundar Gopal coming up next week. So, yes, he's next week. Excellent. Yes. So he can speak about things like that. We'll have you on again so you can talk about all that. I want to even talk about your Akadashi book. I didn't even know you had an Akadashi book. I'm super interested in that. And uh, my father actually is a huge fan of Akadashi. So um, that's something I'm interested in too. And I'd love to hear about you know, the book and and, and uh, those different things. I mean, I knew that thing about the three days, how it starts the day before and all that. But even within there, like some people say that, you know, what we hear about um, – um, I believe it's like Krishna and Yudhisthira Maharaj and how those stories, they're actually not meant for us. They're actually like a Karmakanda thing and we shouldn't follow like, and, and those are exaggerations of when it says like, if we, this person followed Ikadashi in the next birth, he went back to, you know, he, he, he was like uh, somewhere in the forests and he was, and by, by mistake, he was like, you know, fasted because he didn't have anything to eat. And because of that day was Ikadashi, he went back to the heavenly planets or something like that. I'd love yeah. to get into that, but yeah. uh, we'll do that on, a, on, a, on, a, on another occasion. Um, but one thing I want to ask you, Prabhu, is being a scholar and reading so many books and things like that. In the past, in my kind of days of Krishna consciousness, I've seen so many of those devotees, they they kind of become critical towards Krishna consciousness and the society and um, other devotees. And they kind of stray away from it because they because they know so much and they've read so much that it kind of like boggles their mind and they lose faith in in devotees how have you not done that in the sense maybe you have in the past or i don't know but how do you kind of not do that Mm, uh, yeah that's a great question yeah thank you i mean i i kind of hinted at that before i was struggling with this a little bit when, when i was young when i started my academic studies uh, but really, I was saved by association, good association. Right. Uh, I, I, when I studied Sanskrit in, in Sweden, I, I was was associating with devotees, Prabhupada disciples, such as Ajit Prabhu and Prabhujak Prabhu, who, who had already been kind of grappling with these kind of questions and and uh, and uh, and who, who who helped me kind of find some kind of balance. And and one of the things that really helped me was the emphasis on on ritual, the emphasis on on doing bhakti. Mm. Because there's uh, you can easily become critical when you when you make bhakti in, into just something that is kind of in your head. Oh, I see. Yeah, I know everything better than you. But right. uh, I really always try to kind of focus on on doing bhakti. Like uh, for me, it's been really important to have a. a uh, maybe not a great, but at least a steady sadhana, mm. where I'm doing something every single day, yeah. and uh, and uh, trying also to cultivate this kind of feeling of of uh, that we Vaishnavas here in the West we're so few, so if we start criticizing each other, we're just going to to implode as a movement. Yes. So uh, I've been really fortunate in and having good association and. And having really an, a wonderful family around me as well, like I, my, I mentioned, my wife Saragrahi, we have a beautiful daughter Radha, uh, who's twelve, and and uh, a really nice dog as well. 
Frodo. Really? And that was a big thing for me and kind of a challenge. My daughter really wanted to have a dog. And finally, uh, uh, my mother and my wife, they also agreed. So so then, then I thought, okay, let us get a dog. And I thought this would be a, a challenge. But actually, uh, our dog has, has, has been a really good teacher to me. He's taught me a lot of, of Gaudiya Vaishnava songs. Oh. In the way that, that for a long while, I used to be the one to go for the morning walk with him. And uh, when I would go with him to walk in the park here nearby, there was nobody in the morning. So I'd be completely alone with the dog. So I started singing these Gaudiya Vaishnava kirtans, like, Krishna hoite chatur muka hoi, Krishna sevan muka brahma hoite naradi rama ati, and so on. Right. So I would go through like a whole list of songs during one morning walk, and then the next day I would do some others. So I learned so many songs like this, thanks to our <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Wow. So, so good association is really important. And, and yeah. we're fortunate in this COVID world that we can associate with, with people also uh, virtually, there's so many things offered, like your podcast, Wisdom of the Sages. Right. Uh, Janavi has these beautiful kirtans, I think, every week. Uh, uh, in our uh, Sangha, Sri Chaitanya Sangha, uh, Triparari Maharaja's movement, uh, we have lectures every single day. And I mean, every Gaudiya Vaishnava movement nowadays has all these things. So we can, there's yeah. so much we can kind of grab onto. So I think that's that's what has has saved me, uh, and also maybe becoming get getting a few knocks on my head. I've 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 presented my my Vaishnava life in kind of a straightforward way, but I've also done some stupid things. I've I've myself been hurt also sometimes, and all of those things uh, they are good, I think, in the long run because at least if they teach you some hum- humility. Sure, I may have come across as a buffed up scholar here and. Um, <laughs> no, I do as well, but but I do do realize that uh, I'm not the center of the universe. Right. So you would say association is key. I agree with that for sure. Someone yeah. who can devotees who we can associate who can tell us, hey, maybe we're going a little bit astray or kind of checking up on us and things like that. Yeah, that uh, and sadhana and sadhana, right? And actually doing the bhakti. Not just think of thinking of it as a theoretical thing, but actually doing something. Yeah, super important. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, let's look at the question section. So, if you have listeners, uh, we have about fifty people listening. If you have any questions for uh, Brigupad Prabhu, now is the time to put them in the comment section because I'm going to be going through them here. Um, okay. Uh, first of all, I think this was in the beginning, but uh, the book you mentioned um, about Ekadashi. Where can we get that book? Or even the book about the guru, um, good as good as guru. Where can we find those books? Well, that book on the guru, as good as God, you can find that online. Just Google okay. it. Uh, uh, my secular name, uh, Mons Bru. I think that was in your your yeah, it somewhere. Yeah, right there. Yeah, there. And and then you write as good as God, and you'll find it. Uh, you can download it. It's completely legal and and free. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book on Ekadashi, dearest Vishnu. Yeah. I think you can get it through uh, BLS Bhaktivedanta Library Services in, in in Belgium. I think they have it. Okay. 
Otherwise, if you can't get it there, just uh, drop me an email or. or yeah, I'm gonna or, put your email up uh, at the yeah, end there. Uh, sure, sure. I have um, some other books as well. I've, uh, yeah, those, please show us. Please yeah. show us. Yeah, I'd love to see them. Well, I don't have. Yeah, you don't have them right now. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's a, that's fine. Uh, okay, let's see here. Shamsundar. Oh, yeah. My wife just brought one. This is okay. Wonderful. Nice... Wonderful. Yes. The little book of Bhakti Yoga. Oh wow! Nice. This is is like a like a, a dictionary of Bhakti Yoga. Uh huh. Uh, different words, Radha, Raga, Raganuga, Ragatmika, Rasa, and so on. And it's illustrated by Krishangi Dasi. Uh -huh. So she she makes these these funny, funny kind of uh, doodle Com style drawing. Yeah, cool. and, and uh, so it's it's a mixture of her funny funny pictures and my boring text. So <laughs> that, that creates a kind of fun. Combination. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, Chamasundar Prabhu says there's a point that uh, Gopal Bhatti Goswami was from a Brahmana family, while Sanatan wasn't in a way. That time it was important to get the Sambhatai established and recognized by others. This looks like a comment. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here, yeah. Do you want to comment yeah. on that? Yeah. I mean, Sanatan Goswami was from a Brahmana family. Okay. But uh, uh, some, sometimes people say that because he had worked for the Muslim government before meeting Mahaprabhu, his Brahmanism had become compromised. Uh, I don't right. think that was really the case. Uh, there were plenty of people working for the Muslim government, plenty of the like close followers of Mahaprabhu in Bengal, Pundarik Vidyanidhi, Hiranya and Govardhan Majumdar and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a scholar called Joseph O'Connell who has, has studied this, and he shows that there were plenty of people working for the Muslim government mm -hmm. in Bengal, but the government of Alauddin Hussein Shah was actually quite uh, positive towards uh, Hindus, and, uh, and uh, uh, especially towards Mahaprabhu. So probably that wasn't so much a problem. I think there was something else. Maybe some ancestor of Sanatan Goswami's had converted into Islam or something like this. So he definitely had this feeling of being lowborn. He says that in the Chaitanya Charitamrita several times, even though he was a Brahmin. Mm -hmm. So that may, Shamsunda Prabhu is quite right in this, that that may also have been kind of a, uh, a tactical decision of Sanatan Goswami's that let's put this book in the name of Gopalabhatta. Everybody knows he's a Paka Brahmin from the South, so yeah, will be taken seriously. Perhaps. Uh, while you were talking, I had a side question, um, kind of real simple question, is that I know you're translating it, but the closest translation you feel is that uh, Radha, I'm sorry, Ras Bihari Law one? Is that a good one to, like if someone wants to read it themselves? Well, that's the only one that's available. That's right the only now. one. Yeah, the, the only complete one. It's uh, it's it's not always super accurate, especially when it comes to the technical right. uh, parts, and there are plenty of those. So it's not always super accurate, but you will get the main gist of the text. Okay. Unfortunately, it doesn't include the commentary, and many of these most kind of theologically and socially interesting points come out in the commentary. Right. So, so you'll have to wait for for my translation for that. And you've got you've gone five chapters of the twenty. Yeah, I think it will be uh, 
maybe four volumes. So I'm hoping to get the to finish the first volume by the end of this year and then maybe have it published next year. So that's wow. That's my hope. If I get the blessing of then maybe it will happen. Wow. And it's through your university? Uh, I don't know exactly yet uh, okay. who will publish it. I want it to be a, a publisher that uh, will make it available to, because many uh, academic books, uh, they are super expensive. Right. Like my Radha Tantra book, it costs like $100 or more, just one copy. So nobody wow. can afford books like that. So I hope this will, I, I will try to arrange this in such a way that devotees as well can, can get these books. Because I think this will be interesting, not only for scholars, but for devotees as well. You could also even get like a devotee press to may perhaps take it on, right? Yeah, but then it will be, uh, then I won't kind of get any academic. Oh, I see. God, it has to stay yeah. within that. Yeah. Understood, so. understood. Okay. Uh, here's another. Here's a question from. Uh, do you, Do you know Amara Prabhu as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. have, I haven't seen him in years, so I'm really happy to. Yeah. To yeah. He's. I'm, I've been meaning to get him on. I mean, I I wanted to get him back in July. Maybe it was June. I had him scheduled even, but I had to change uh, on him. But he's a he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he actually performed my wedding. Um, wow. Really, really nice. I really yeah. love Amara Prabhu. Uh, so he's asking, does Hari Bhakti Vilas describe Tapa Mudra for Diksha? I don't know what that means. Yeah. Can you explain? Yeah. Ta uh, <laughs> Tapa Mudra or Tapta Mudra, uh, it's uh, uh, branding. Like oh, when you okay. brand the body. And right. uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas describes two different styles of mudras. One is when you stamp them on the body with sandalwood paste or, or gopi chandan. Uh, different Vaishnavas do different, this in different ways. In the south, they will just put on their shoulders. Right. But the Nimbarkis and others in the in the north, they put uh, on other places as well, on the head and other places. So generally, the Hari Bhakti Vilasa uh, describes these kind of stamps of Vishnu's weapons uh, that you do in this way. But it also says that on some special occasions, like on... Uh, Uttana Ekadashi, for example, the, the Ekadashi at the end of Chaturmasya, then you should get these marks branded on the body, like with red, red hot irons. Wow. Right. Uh, that's something we don't do today in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Right. It's even forbidden by people like uh, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti. So, so that's again one of these things that have changed during the evolution of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. Uh, but uh, to answer Amara Prabhu's question, no, not in connection with Diksha, but uh, in connection with uh, uh, specific uh, uh, festivals of the year. Right. You go to the festival, you get, get branded. <laughs> you go to the festival, <laughs> you get branded. That's cool. And it says also you should brand, you should brand not, your, not only yourself, but also your... Family, your children, and your animals as well. Oh my gosh! Wow. So bring your bring your your goat and and your your cow and get them branded as well. Wow, interesting. He says greetings to Prigu. Great. Um, okay, here's another question: Has Hari Bhakti Vilas borrowed from Smriti Muktafala by Vaidyanath Dikshita? I don't know. I'm, I don't know this book. Okay. Smriti Muktafala. I'll, I'll write it down. 
I know most of the sources, but there are some that are still. Uh, I think there might be some other sources that I'm still unaware of. So maybe that's one of them. Sure, sure. Okay, here's a question. In the title, there's the word mysteries. What is your opinion? What, in your opinion, is the most mysterious aspect of the Hari Bhakti Vilas? Could you mention any parts of the text that show mysterious qualities? Okay, and then she writes at the end, as I'm writing this question, this question was being asked, so you can ignore this question, Pranam Sarada. But um, I like her, her first question. What is, in your opinion, is the most mysterious part? Well, maybe the most mysterious part is... Uh, is uh... Is why. why? Bodhi Vaishnavism is, is, is often seen as a kind of anti-ritualistic uh, yes. movement. Just yeah. chant Hare Krishna and be happy. And this is not just something Prabhupada makes up to kind of uh, preach to the hippies. It's it's there from the beginning with Nityananda Prabhu and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, so why this like uh, enormous detail of ritual right and i think uh, um, i've touched on, on some of the answers to that that it's it's yeah. a kind of locate Gaudiya vaishnavism between a in an in an authorized vaishnava kind of culture to present new things in kind of old bottles uh, but i also think and this is something i hadn't mentioned before i think sanatan goswami did have a, a personal interest in in these kind of uh, ritual aspects as well. Uh, he he does describe some rituals in very like uh, great detail, like Bhuta Shuddhi, how to cleanse right. the, the body before puja, like huge detail, how to meditate on the Papa Purusha within your left armpit and burn it up and then burn up the whole body mentally. Mm. create a new kind of spiritualized body doing this with the combining it with the breathing with bijas and so on it's like yeah it really goes into the detail of it right very cool okay looks like uh this is from your wife Uh, (laughs) can you tell what hari bhakti vlas says about worshiping shalagam is exactly about the mood in which they can be worshipped that's a great question i'd love to hear about that yeah thank you saragrahi uh, well, uh, worshiping Salagram is is one of the is, is an important thing in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, said to be kind of the most important form of the of, of, of the Lord. In a sense, more important even than the Murti, because of course, in the time of the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, almost nobody had Murtis. Murtis you would have in temples. In in your home, you would have a Salagram. Right. So, so that's really kind of the main focus of the worship. And even in temples, like in, in the Govindaji temple that nowadays is in Jaipur, uh, the form of the Lord that gets all the kind of worship in the morning, that's the Shalagram. That's the focus on. And then through the Shalagram, Govindaji is worship. Yeah. So that's a big thing in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, worship of the Shalagram. And there's a long section in the fifth chapter about different types of Shalagrams and how to recognize and so on. But then Sanatan Goswami, and this is kind of typical for the text, after giving all these details, he says, but anyway, any form of the Lord can be worshipped in any Shalagram. So, so uh, uh, 
you don't need to go through and examine all the details that, aha, there's a chakra here and this. Any form of Krishna can be worshipped in any shalagram. Uh, and uh, again, like I said before, shalagram worship is meant for every initiated Gaudiya Vaishnava. Uh, for ladies as well. This is something that not all Gaudiya Vaishnavas uh, accept even today. Right, right. Matthew Swami says it quite explicitly. And initiated means uh, not what we call today Harinam, but what we today called second initiation or Diksha, when you get the, the mantras for worship. Right. So so the Hari Bhakti Vilas thinks that when you have that mantra, then you have to use that mantra, mm -hmm. and you use it primarily in, in worship. So Shalagram worship is, is for everybody. And uh, there are, of course, some rules and regulations. Uh, you're not supposed to touch the Shalagram with your left hand and mm -hmm. so on. But it's not really that complicated. Uh, I think one problem people have with uh, puja today is that they tend to make it too complicated. Yeah. When you had Brahma Murta on, I think he said really nicely that, that uh, when you kind of create your own sadhana, you shouldn't make your puja too time-consuming. Yes. I think he said it should take like 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And uh, that's realistic for most people. If you make it too time-consuming, you won't be able to keep it up. Mm -hmm. uh, like and, and also the point that you can worship any form of, of Krishna in any, any uh, form of shalagram, uh, you can understand that, and that's not uh, like something I'm making up. But according to the Hari Bhakti Vilasa, that can mean that you can you can think of a shalagram as Balaram, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of uh, Vishnu Tattva form, right. or even as a cowherd boy, like we have one one big kind of round shalagram. It's uh, technically it's a Lakshmi. Narayan Shalagram, but we sometimes think of it as Madhumangal because it's it's big and and round. <laughs> so so uh, uh, we have Giriraj as well, and then we have Shesha, and Shesha is Balaram. So then there's Madhumangal and the cowherd boys. Uh, that's one way of of understanding. Uh, the shalagrams they're quite kind of open for different interpretations sure sure does it say anything about dwarka shila yes it says that uh, uh, it's good to worship shalagram together with dwarka shila right says nothing about govardhan shila though again that's one of the things that kind of grew up uh, afterwards in Gaudiya vaishnavism and i right. think this is something that some people might be disturbed by, but I think it's kind of fun to realize that our religious tradition is a living tradition. It it does go through changes. The kind right. of Gaudiya Vaishnavism we live today as sadhakas is not exactly the same as the Gaudiya Vaishnavism of the time of the Goswamis. Yeah. And uh scares me a little. I'm a little scared by that personally. You're scared about that, yeah. Not, not like so, not like like it's in a neurotic kind of way, but like in a way like I'd like to follow something that's really you know close to the text, you yeah. know. But it's not always like that. Anyway, continue yeah. your thought there. Sorry. Yeah. To no, no, no problem. I think that's uh, 
that's an important thing for us to realize that things develop and things change. Yeah, yeah. Always for the worse. Sometimes nice things develop. Yeah. And and I think we can really focus on on the like uh, panchalakshana bhakti. Yes. Like the the five practices. Like in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami goes through all these 64 uh, aspects of Vaidhi Sadhana. Mm-hmm. And and many of them are are kind of a marginal marginal interest today, like worshiping the Dhatri tree or things like that. But we can focus on these five main ones. And those are, of course, Nam Sankirtan, uh, studying the Bhagavat, uh, Sadhu Sangha, worshipping the deity, and living in Vrindavan. And living mm-hmm. in Vrindavan, it's not possible for me, for example, yeah. because I'm a person who likes comfort and lazy. <laughs> And also for maybe for some other reasons as well. But I can live in Vrindavan. I can try to live in Vrindavan mentally. And in today's world also, with all these communications we have, uh, I can call my friends in Vrindavan as often as I want. I can yeah. I can go on Parikram by seeing videos made by Indra Maharaj and other devotees. Yeah. So, so I can really be in Vrindavan in many ways, even though I'm here up in far north Finland. Yeah. I hear it's beautiful in Finland. I'd love to come visit you sometime. If you <laughs> you know come anytime. <laughs> great. It's official. You have, yeah. You've officially invited me. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, that's uh, we can do a whole episode on Shalagam because that's super interesting. I, I love that. Anyway, we can uh, move on here. Madan Gopal Prabhu, uh, a mutual friend of ours, also um, is saying, uh, Jai, big brother, Brigupad, super interesting. Thank you for sharing this. your knowledge, your interpretation, and your enthusiasm about this text. And for sharing yourself and your personal perspective. Very cool. Thank um, you, Did you get a chance to study or discuss Hari Bhakti Vilas under traditional Godia? I think he means pre yeah. pre Bhakti Siddhanta. Is that considered like traditional Godia? I'm not sure what he means, but uh, the answer at any rate is 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 no. I mean I've I've discussed the Hari Bhakti Vilasa with people such as Padmanabh Goswami at the Radharaman Temple. Right. Uh, Sri Vatsa Goswami as well at the Radharaman Temple. Uh, uh, we, with with others as well. Satyanarayan Das Babaji. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with uh, my Guru Maharaj. Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Dev Goswami Maharaj. Mm-hmm. With, with others. Uh, but I haven't really properly studied under uh, a Gaudiya Vaishnava teacher. I don't even know if anybody's really kind of systematically teaching the Hari Bhakti Vilasa nowadays. Right. Because as you said in the beginning, it's kind of, it's not been super in-depth studied by anyone really. So it's not something that you can study under someone for that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Bhakti Abhay Sridhar Maharaj says, Radhe Radhe, great lecture. Thank you for that, Prabhupada Prabhu. Jai Jai. Thank you, Maharaj, for listening. That's all the questions we have uh, at the moment, uh, and we are at our two-point mark. Uh, two, sorry, two-hour mark. Um, Brigupad Prabhu, if you could leave us with some some um, short uh, concluding statements, please. <laughs> That's a hard one. I know. I always I always do that to my guests. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think. Uh... One really nice thing that uh, has struck me when reading the Hari Bhakti Vilasa is that uh, many times 
when you're doing some big ritual like Ekadashi, for example, when you're doing this this big three-day Ekadashi ritual, uh, at the end you you feed the Brahmans, you feed the Vaishnavas, and then it says, and then take prasadam together with your friends. And I really like that. It's so sweet and, and it really brings home, I think, some of the importance of, of sangha, of, of, of association, again, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In today's Western world, we kind of live many times in a, in a world where we think that we are we're just individuals. Right. Like we're, we're kind of like individuals floating around in space. And it's all about me and my relationship with Krishna, uh, my understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so on. But even more important, I think, is, is how we work together as Gaudiya Vaishnavas and, and how we take prasadam together with our friends. How we sit down and, and do things not as an individual, uh, but as a group. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm really thankful to you, uh, Namrasa Prabhu for inviting me to this podcast. I really like what you're doing. Thank you so much. Bringing, bringing together different kinds of devotees, uh, speaking about things that they are excited about. Some of them may be nerdy like me, others are more excited. <laughs> but, I love uh, this. But it's, it's, it's really nice to see different people uh, sharing their own understanding. And I, I've, I've loved listening to, to, to many of them. Thank so you. I'm honored that you asked me to be part of this. And yes. if I was able to serve you in some way, I'm, I'm really happy. Yes, we have a few more episodes I have to do with you, Ikadashi and uh, some other ones. Ikadashi especially, I'm very interested in. Maybe we can you know, look a little bit more deeper into your book and things like that. I'll get myself a copy. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for joining me, Brigupad Prabhu. If you'd like to, if you're listening, if you'd like to get in touch with Brigupad Prabhu, he's on uh, Facebook. His name here, Mons Brew, is, is, is um, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, more or less. Okay. Uh, he's on Facebook, so you can see his Facebook page there. And also his email is here, mbroo at abo.fi. Uh, you can email him there. So get in touch with him if you have any questions about um, anything that was discussed here. Um, so that's the that's our episode. Thank you again, Prabhu, for joining me. That it was really fascinating. Uh, I, I'm really interested in Hari Bhakti Vilas now. I want to kind of read it and and see all the different parts of the ideal life of the Vaishnava and take some inspiration from that. And uh, for ne- for our listeners, next week we have Sundar Gopal Prabhu on, who is um, uh, Simon Haas. He's a wonderful devotee who's written the book um, The Dark Knight of the Soul. But he's also going to come and discuss. Uh, Bhakti's inherency in the jiva and how it is inherent in the jiva. Uh, kind of a contrast to um, His Holiness Padmanabh Maharaj, who came and said that it's not inherent. So we're going to get a different perspective. Uh, it's going to yeah, be fascinating. Yeah, that be exciting. I, I've also read Sundar Gopal's Prabhu, Sundar Gopal's Prabhu's book, uh, the one you mentioned. It's an excellent book. So that's that it. Really a, helped me. Like a few months ago. Yeah, a few months ago, I was kind of going through something that I was feeling really bad. And uh, I, I saw that book on my shelf and I was like, maybe I should give this one because someone told me I should read it. So I started reading it and it brought so much solace and it helped me through that thing that I was going to. And I was 
I was so thankful to him and I didn't even know him. And I, and then, uh, you know, you know, seven different devotees from seven different places, like separately messaged me, like you should have him on the podcast. And then he personally messaged me too. And I was like, okay, this is a sign. We have to ha make this happen. So I'm really excited to speak to him. I think he's listening because, because he was really excited. He told me that he's excited that you're coming on and he wants to hear it and everything. So uh, we're going to have uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu on. So, um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of your evening. Uh, Brigupad Prabhu, stay on. I'm going to just turn off the live. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare.